James was Jesus's younger brother. Jesus had four brothers. Uh, the Bible says that he has sisters as well. We don't know how many sisters he had, uh, but he had four brothers, and James was the oldest of those four brothers. Jesus was the oldest child that Mary had. Uh, so uh, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic because James's mother was the same mother that Jesus had, um, but they didn't have the same dad because the Spirit of God came into Mary and impregnated her, and that's why they say that she was the Virgin Mary, uh, and she had birth to Jesus. But Joseph was the rest of the kids' father. And so that was something that maybe the, the kids didn't quite understand, or maybe they weren't told uh, while they were growing up. But uh, at a certain point, particularly around the age of 30, Jesus began to go public with his calling. And um, the oldest brother, James, didn't believe it. He just did not believe that his brother, Jesus, was the Son of God until after Jesus hung on the cross and he rose again on the third day. And then he believed it. He believed it. And he began to do a lot of incredible things. In fact, uh, because there were so many different Jameses in the Bible, they actually called him James the Kind. Uh, there's a James the Greater in the Bible. There's a gr James the Lesser in the Bible. But he was called James the Kind. Uh, he just had an incredibly tender heart. He was a bishop over other churches. He was a pastor. He was an apostle. And when he began to pen this letter for us to study, it was so, uh, it's so insightful and it's so obvious that what he's trying to do here is he's trying to paint the target on the wall. Uh, that if we aim at this target, it will lead to a very intimate life with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but one of the more difficult things uh, in my life is trying to get God more in it. Does that make sense? Like, I just want God more in my life. Um, I've, I, I have moments, and maybe you've had as well, where you feel this tug of compassion uh, to do something and then, or to say something, and then after you do it or after you say it, you back up and you think to yourself, man, God was in that. God led me to do that, and it feels good. And you think to yourself, God, I want to do more of that. I want you to lead me and direct me and speak to me. Uh, a couple months ago, I was driving um, uh, in this neighborhood, and, and uh, I think I was clicking along about 30 miles an hour. I know it's too fast legally, but uh, I felt like I, I, was, I was, I don't know, I, I told myself it was okay. So I was going uh, 30 miles an hour, and uh, uh, actually I was, no, 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 that's not what, I, I was in a parking garage, and I was going quicker than I was supposed to be going. I wasn't going 30 miles an hour, but I, I was at a nice little click, and all of a sudden, and I just felt inside me, um, slow down. And uh, so I hit the brakes. You know, I just like, just responded real fast. I hit the brakes. And sure enough, if this little girl didn't run ahead of her parents and come running right in front of my car. And uh, I, so I just hit the brakes. And, and afterwards, I was like, oh my goodness. Had I not responded to that small voice, I would have hit this poor girl. 
and so after my heart slowed down, I remember telling the Lord, I want you to talk to me more often like that, and I want to hear it, my goodness. Uh, there's always that thought in the back of our minds that the Lord is talking to us more than we're hearing him. Does that make sense? And so all of us are wanting to be infiltrated by God. We want to just be soaked by God. We want to be thinking like God, be led by God. But James comes along and says, I know what you want, but here's the target. Aim in this direction and that saturation will naturally begin to take place. And so he begins to tackle some really cool uh, uh, topics. And so we're going to dive straight into it. James chapter 3, verse 1. It reads like this. Dear brothers and sisters. And so let's just stop right there. He's saying all the men in the church, all the ladies in the church. That's what he's saying. He's, uh, he's, he's talking to all the men and all the ladies. He says this. Not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. So he's saying, ladies and men, don't jockey to be a teacher. Because when you stand before God, everybody's going to be judged. But those who teach are going to be judged harshly. And in the, that never leaves the back of my mind. I think about it all the time. I think if the Lord were to come back right now, because the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to meet him in the sky. And if he were to come back right now, is there anything that I would regret not teaching or not teaching more often? Is there anything I would regret? And and I had that thought recently, and I, I thought to myself, yes, there is, there is something that I would greatly regret, and um, that it is uh, that I have not been emphasizing that we are in the last days good enough, if I can just be incredibly transparent with you. Uh, I, I don't feel like I have been emphasizing that to the degree that I should. And so I'm saying that on a Wednesday night so you guys can keep me accountable. Uh, and some of you are, are, are more uh, outgoing than others. And so um, I'm sure you'll remind me if I, if I get off course again. And I encourage it. Uh, I don't want to discourage that because I do feel like uh, I have not done a good job of that. And I asked myself that question. And so I want to get better at emphasizing, look, all this killing that ISIS is doing, all of the fighting in the Middle East, all of this stuff are keen, uh, are, are deliberate indications. They're signs from God to say that Jesus is coming back incredibly soon, incredibly quick, and we've got to more than ever before be laser focused on serving God because he's coming so, so quickly. Do you guys remember when George Bush Sr., not George W. Bush, but George Bush Sr., when he was in office, uh, we, uh, the, the, uh, there was a, uh, our, the war, the very first war in, in a long time in the Middle East started. It was against Saddam Hussein. Do you guys remember that? Way back when, wave at me, you remember that. Do you realize that the fighting has not stopped in the Middle East since then? It has not stopped. 
It has just kept going and going. Now the faces have changed. You know, names like Hamas has come up. Names like Taliban has come up. Names like ISIS has come up. It's been Afghanistan. It's been Iraq. It's been Iran. But you realize it has not stopped since then. And I'm just saying that it's the grace of God that Jesus has not come back. It is the grace of God because people are not ready for his return. But every time we've turned on the TV for the last 15 years or 16 years, it's actually been longer than that. I think it's been nearly 20 years. Every time we turn it on, there's that, that right in our face, whether you like to watch CNN or whether you like to watch Fox, you have been watching for 20 years wars in the Middle East. And I'm just telling you, the Lord is coming back incredibly soon. If you like to play patty cake with Jesus and you don't like to be serious, I just want to encourage you, start getting serious. If you're waiting for the last second right before Jesus comes back, you're going to get real serious. Congratulations, you're there. You're there. You, 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 your plan is present. And so... Uh, I need to get better at that. And so you guys are just going to have to put up with the fact that every once in a while I'm just going to sit, pause in the middle of my message and remind you that Jesus is coming back soon. Is that okay with any of you? Is that all right? But I'm going to stand before God and he's going to judge me. He's going to say to me, I, I entrusted you. Why didn't you tell him I was coming? Why didn't you tell him I was coming back soon? I had signs all over the place. Why didn't you tell him? I put a microphone on your face and you still didn't tell him. Why didn't you tell him? What were you doing? I'm going to be judged for that. And he goes on to say, all of you will be judged. And I just want to say this. Those of you that are beloved children's workers, that you are serving in our children's ministry, can I just say thank you for that? Thank you for that. So many of you are parents, absolutely. So many of you are parents and you've said to yourself, hey, if, if, if I'm going to drop my kids off for Sunday school and someone else is going to watch them, well, put me on the rotation. I don't want to just be a receiver. I want to be a contributor I'll, once every five weeks, once every four weeks. I just want to tell you, when you walk into that classroom, there, is a, there are angels standing in that room. God is watching that room. And these kids are soaking in the word of God like a sponge. Now, they may be talking and they be fighting with each other. But I'm going to tell you something. My kids know a whole bunch about the word of God. And it's not because I'm a pastor. I'm telling you, I, that's another area I got to get better at. But my kids know the word of God because we have an awesome Sunday school. My kid came home. He's seven years old. And he goes, hey, Dad, have you ever heard of, of David and Goliath? It's like once or twice. And he begins to unpack David and Goliath. How did he learn that? You guys taught him that. I didn't teach him that. And, and I just want to tell you that when you guys go back there, you are shouldering the gospel. You are imparting the gospel into these children. When Peter felt like, man, I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. When Peter felt like he betrayed Christ... And because when he was sitting around the fire, he denied him three times. You guys know the story. He denied him three times and he felt so bad. And then Jesus rose again on the third day and he was talking with Peter. And he looked at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was so apologetic because he denied him. He says, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, I do. And he goes, well, feed my lambs. In other words, I want you to go teach my children. Then he looked back at him and he says, do you love me, Peter? And he goes, yes, I do. And then he goes, feed my sheep. So he said, go, go teach my kids first and then go teach the adults. 
So teaching the lambs and feeding the lambs is as if not equally as important as feeding sheep. Do you know that if somebody doesn't get saved, if they don't give their heart to God before they get out of middle school, the probability of them giving their heart to God decreases by like 65%. 65%, it's, it's ridiculous. If you're an adult in this room and you have not given your life to God, percentages say you're not going to. Just percentages say. Now, um, I just want to say that teenagers and young people and children, the older you get, the faster your heart hardens. There's such a huge responsibility in teaching our children. Such a huge responsibility. And the Lord will stand and he'll judge you and I harshly because we're the ones pointing the way. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Uh, Terry, why don't you come on up here real quick, real fast. Um, uh, and you say, well, why, why would I just come right up here? You say, why would I be judged so harshly? Because the people that you're talking to, your neighbors, your kids, um, you close your eyes for a minute. They're blinded to the spiritual things. They're blinded. And so what teachers do is they point them in the right direction and say, now walk. They point them in the right direction and they say, walk. And the Lord said, you're the one doing the pointing. I want to talk to you about how you pointed people when you stand before me. It's a huge deal. Somebody say, I got that. I got, thank you, Terry. I got that. Put your hands together. So he talks about teachers. And, and I want to say this as well. Uh, there's, there's two types of sin. There's the sin of omission and there's the sin of commission. Uh, omission and commission. Omission is whenever you don't do anything. Uh, like I'll give you an example. Uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the, go- the story of the Good Samaritan is, is that there was somebody sick and beaten. They were, he was beaten up and stripped and laying there to die on the side of the road. And two people walked by him and ignored him. One of them was a priest and the other one was the, uh, an assistant of the priest. They ignored him, pretended like he wasn't he- there. That is the sin of omission. It's a sin to not do anything. That is a sin. When you know you should do something and you don't do anything, that is a sin. The sin of commission is that you have done something, you knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. So there's the sin of omission, there's the sin of commission. And I just want to say that those of you that are called to teach, those of you that have your own biological children, your stepkids, those of you that are teaching children or should be teaching children or ought to be children, if you are not teaching but God is calling you to teach, that's a sin. And I don't like talking about sin. Can I just tell you that? I like talking about things that encourage you and lift you up because you've been working hard all day long and the last thing that you want to do is you want to come walking through these doors and get beat up by a preacher. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to try to beat you up. What I am going to say is this, that I know that you want to please God. I know you want to please God. So now that you know what he likes and what he doesn't like, it's easier for you to please them. Does that make sense? So this is how we got to look at, at, at the sin of omission. We don't need to look at it and say, oh man, I'm a sinner. No, it's just backing up and going, okay, now I know. 
uh, thanks for telling me. I appreciate it. So I, I want to make the Lord happy. I didn't know that that offended him. I didn't know that that bothered him. So I'm going to do it this way. It, it's much like my wife uh, when she says things. I've been married for 13 years. I dated her for two years before that. We've been together for 15 years. And it feels like every year she turns into a different person. I, I'm not upset about it because I think I turn into a different person every day. Poor girl. Uh, I'm the emotional one in the family. She's steady Eddie. She never, she's never too high. She's never too low. She's never depressed. She's never overexcited. Me? Whoa. Oh, my goodness. It, it's just the wind blows and my mood changes. I'm just a, I'm a complete wreck. Um, but as we've grown together and we've lived together, I've backed up and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that bothered you. She's, I didn't know that bothered you. Well, now that I know that that bothered you, I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, I didn't know burping at the table bothered you. I, I, I didn't know that that bothered you. You know, I, now that now I know, and and that's how I look at sins that are being discussed uh, in the church. It's like whoa. And then there's sometimes where I knew that it bothered her, but. I just kind of forgot that it bothered her. Does that make sense? I just kind of forgot. It's not that I don't care about her. It's not that I don't love her, but it just wasn't on the forefront of my mind. And so that's how I want you to hear it tonight. I don't want you to hear it like somebody's beating you up. I want you to hear it like, I know you love the Lord. So let me remind us all what he likes and what he doesn't like. Does that sound good? All right. All right. Let me hear it back from you. Just say, that sounds good. Clap or smile or nod or breathe or, or something. Um, and so uh, he talks about the importance of being a teacher. And then he hits this other category of tongues. He talks about how we talk. Watch this. James chapter 3, verse 2. It reads like this. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. I love how he includes himself in that. We all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Everybody just bite your tongue for a minute. Go ahead. Stick it on one side of your eye. Go ahead. Go ahead. Participate. Go ahead. Participate. There you go. Is everyone participating? I feel like not everybody's participating. Go ahead. There you go. Just bite your tongue. There you go. Do you know that the Bible says that if you can control that, the rest of your life is controlled? Now, here's the thing. It was my wife's birthday yesterday. And so rather than getting a birthday cake, I decided to mix it up. And I went and got a whole bunch of, a a dozen pack of, of Gigi's cupcakes. Bless the Lord. Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a good idea? If you, raise your hand if you've never had a GG cupcake. Go ahead, raise your hand. Oh, Jesus. That's so sad. That is so sad. Jamie, let's call GG's. And, and you know what we're going to do? We're going ha- to bring in GG's and just put them all in the lobby and let you guys just hammer GG's one day. Wouldn't that be fun? Man, that would be fun. Okay, let me just tell you. GG's is just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like heaven in a little cup. If you could take heaven and stick it in your mouth, it would be called GG Cupcake, okay? It's just so good. So I'm not going to like distract myself by talking about how it's made. And um, But uh, what I am going to say is I bought these 12 cupcakes and, and I, I, I brought them home. I set them down and uh, I've been staring at them 
ever since I got him. Uh, I got him last night. I hid him in the house. And so this morning at the crack of dawn, I could lift him up and, and have him there. And, and I, I was thinking about him as I went to sleep last night. I woke up in the middle of the night and thought about eating one, but I thought it would be really awkward when you, it's a 12-pack and one's missing. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to eat it first thing in the morning. And then I opened it up this morning, and I had different flavors. I had red velvet. I had wedding cake. I had birthday cake. I had all these. I had lemon top. And I'm sitting there, and it just felt like I was in heaven. I didn't know which one, which one to get. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know. And so I'm just staring at him. I'm looking at him. I picked it up. I'm eating it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so good. I, I ate it so fast, I actually made my stomach hurt. Uh, and all these things were, were, just, were just going on. And it, it dawned on me uh, while I was putting this message together that keeping a, a disciplined diet really is attached to our tongue, just like the Bible says. Well, the Bible says that your tongue controls your whole life, your whole life, your whole life. If you can control your tongue, you can control anything in your life, including your diet. If you can control your tongue, you control your attitude. If you can control your tongue, you control everything, all of your relationships, everything. If you can control your tongue, can you guys believe that? Exactly. No, I I don't. I don't believe it. So let me talk about controlling our tongue again. You know, it's it's just like, no, no, no. It's just, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing how powerful the tongue is. And if you read this chapter, it's so incredibly poetic how James talks about the tongue. He talks about this ship that you can move with just an utter. He talks about how you can take, and I love how he words it in the New Living Translation. He says, a large horse can be geared by a bit in the tongue. And I'm like, boy, thank you for saying a large horse, not just a horse but a large horse can be directed by controlling its tongue. It's our tongue, and I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, and it just dawns on me that our words really do create worlds. It really does. And so as I was kind of unpacking this this afternoon, I thought to myself, there are a few words that we need to take out of our vocabulary and never, ever use them again. Ever again. So tonight is the night where we say, okay, James, thank you for pointing out how serious words are. And so we're just going to back up and we're going to say, what words should we never, ever, 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 ever say again? What words are those? Watch this. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm going to talk about three. The first one is, uh, is, is taught to us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So before I say number one, I want you to see words as fruit that you eat. You're eating them. So don't say anything negative. Did you guys get that? Now you're looking at me like that is so 
churchy to say because it's impossible. Can I just say, that's why James is saying, if you can control that tongue as hard as it is, as impossible as it feels, oh my goodness, it is so hard. But if you can, walking out this door today, you just say to yourself, if it's negative, I'm not going to say it. If it's negative, I'm not going to say it. If it's negative, I'm not going to say it. And that doesn't mean that you can say it with your breath instead of saying it with a word. Right? That doesn't mean that you can say it with your face instead of with your words. If it's negative, and now watch what we're doing here. You're saying, what, what, realize, don't, don't, let's not get focused on what you can't say. Let's focus on what happens if you don't say it. See, if you don't say it, you don't eat it. And what you eat gets in you and it infiltrates you like cancer. So you say something negative. And the Bible says that you eat its fruit. So just imagine you're eating a big pie of negative. So all that negative is getting inside of here. It's in your brain. It's in your emotions. It's inside of you. And all of a sudden it just takes over you like a cancer of negativity. That's how crazy words are. Let me show you, let me give you an example, kind of a funny example. Uh, when, when I went to North Shore High School on the east side of Houston, uh, there was always a fight in the locker room. Always a fight. Every, every week there's a fight. And every time it was my turn to fight, uh, I, I always tried to get really loud because I was never really a good fighter. Um, I, never, ever. I don't like getting punched and I'm scared to punch, okay? So... It just didn't work out good. And so what I would do is I would get loud and I would yell because watch this. I would tell myself, I better hurry up and get mad so I can stop being scared. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But I better hurry up and get mad and get ticked so I can overcome being scared. And that is the power of words is that you can, I can overcome being afraid by getting mad. But in the same token, you can overcome joy by being negative. Does that make any sense at all? It's like your words, it just, and then here's the deal with words. Words are like sweat. It oozes out of you. And so you're eating negative, you're talking negative, it goes in you and then it comes out of you like B.O. Are you with me? So it comes out of you. Now everybody's got to deal with your B.O. And do you know what kind of fortitude it takes to overcome your B.O. with a whole bunch of positivity? Man, that takes some work. 
So we've just kind of poisoned our mind, our heart, our soul. It comes inside of us and then it comes back out of us. So number one is negativity. Number two, the second word that we just want to take out of our vocabulary, we find it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. It says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So now we just take out all vulgarity. Just take it out. Dirty joke doesn't come out of our mouth. Cursing doesn't come out of our mouth. No vulgarity. Now you say, well, is that a sin? Look, we're not talking about punishment we're talking about opportunity. We're talking about what can be good in your life. We're talking about life. We're talking about, it's, it's like me saying, hey, do you want to have a happy life? Do you want to walk with God? Yes. Okay. Stop cursing and, and you'll naturally go in that direction. But is it a sin? We're talking about getting close to God. This is, this is how we do it. But am I going to burn in hell if I cuss? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how to have God saturating our life and saturating our mind and living intimate with him. So you're telling me I'm going to go to hell if I cuss. No, you're missing it still. Do you see what I'm saying? Missing the point. You're missing the point. What we're trying to talk about here is that words create worlds. And so what words can we take out of our mouth so that we can get closer? Because I don't know about you, but I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to have more of God in my life. Are you with me? There's no words on this planet that I love so much that I'm willing to trade to have intimacy with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I'll just pick other words. My mother in the Lord, Jeannie Mayo, once told me when I was 19, she goes, Frankie, if you need to be sarcastic in order to be funny, don't be funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> In other words, use your brain. You can be funny other ways. We can make our point without vulgarity. We can be funny without telling dirty jokes. We can express ourselves without using four-letter words. We're intelligent human beings. Are you with me? So number one, we're going to take negativity out. If it's negative, boom. If it's negative, boom. You wake up in the morning, this is me. I wake up in the morning, I think about my schedule. I got seven meetings in a row. <laughs> don't think about it. 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 When I get done running, my first thought, I'm done running. I hit my watch. I'm done running. I'm <laughs> The first thought in my mind, I promise, the first thought, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> and then I promise you, I promise it happens every time I'm, I think I'm going to die. I said, don't think about that. So I, right away, God, thank you that I have legs to run. Thank you that I can breathe. Th I prom I, right away, I start thanking God. 
Thank you, God, that I'm not in a wheelchair. Thank you, God, that I'm not in a hospital. Thank you. And so I'm changing my mind because otherwise I'm going to walk. I'm never going to do this again. I feel like I'm going to die. My heart is in my foot. Do you see what I'm saying? Right away. Remove and replace, remove and replace, remove and replace. You can't think about nothing. You have to think about something. So when you're thinking about something negative, you got to start thinking about something positive right away. Are you with me? Here we go. We're going to take out vulgarity. Number three, this is the second thing we're going to take out. And it is, is words that accuse. So what does words that accuse mean? Words that accuse is when you tell somebody where somebody is missing it. You shed kind of a negative light. Like if I'm talking with you and I'm like, well, you know, Isaiah, you know, it's just something about him. You know, I, I don't know. I'm shining a negative light on him. You know, something about Isaiah, you know. It's any time you shed a negative light on anybody, you're accusing them of not meeting the standard that you have set for them. Are you with me? You can call it gossip. You can call it backbiting. You can call it slamming. You can call it whatever you want. But anytime you're disappointed with somebody because they're not reaching your expectation, that's accusing them. And that is the language of Satan. We have learned that language from Satan. There, there's a, what's that thing called whenever you want to learn Spanish? You go buy a whole bunch of CDs and you learn Spanish. What's it called? Rosetta Stone, Rosetta Stone. So if I learn Spanish and you say to me, hey, where'd you learn how to talk like that? I'll go, Rosetta Stone. Now, if I ask you, hey, how'd you learn how to accuse like that? If you're being honest, you'll say, Satan taught me. (laughs) And, And you would be telling the truth. If I'm slamming Isaiah, if I'm just kind of shedding a negative light, and it's very interesting because I could say, I'm not talking bad about him. I'm telling the truth. Oh, okay. I would be honest. Yeah, Satan taught me how to do that. Am I exaggerating? No, I'm not exaggerating. Write this on your notes. I don't have it on the screen. It's in, it's in Revelations chapter 2. 12 verse 10 it reads like this that satan is the accuser of the brethren so satan stands before god and he says do you see frankie do you see what he just did do you see what he just said do you see what he just did do you see what he just said he he doesn't deserve to be in heaven he's the scum of the earth he's the spit of slime do you see what he accuses the brethren all day long this is what he does And then Jesus, our advocate, is standing on the other side of the courtroom of God. And he's looking at God while Satan is accusing us. He's our advocate. And Jesus just simply says this. The blood. My blood. I died on the cross. I've already covered that sin. I've already covered that. But did you see Frankie? Yeah, but I already covered that. But did 
did you see him? But I already covered that. But he said this, but I already covered that. See, the, the blood of Jesus covered all of our sins. Covered all of our sins. That's why we've got to be so grateful and thankful for the blood of Jesus. Because every time you say something or you do something or you should do something, but you didn't do it, Satan standing there, but you say, he's the biggest nag in the world. And Jesus just says, I've already covered that with my blood. I've already covered that with my blood. I've already covered that with my blood. And, and God hears that. And, and it's so incredible to watch the mouth of Satan get smashed down anytime he's accusing us. But when we accuse, we sound like Satan. He's the father of lies. He started lies. He birthed lies. So anytime you're talking bad about anybody, we learned that from that spirit. So the three words that we're just going to take out of our mouth is we walk out of here. If it's negative, don't say it. 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 My goodness, just don't say it. But it's true. Who cares if it's true? Don't say it. We're going to take out vulgarity. Let's go back to talking like children. You silly. You're silly. Just let it ring. Let's bring Dr. Seuss back. You silly, dilly, willy, pilly, gilly. Let's bring it all back if you have to. Let's get the vulgarity and the curse and let's get it out. Let's get it out. Are you guys with me? Now there's a few words we need to put in. These things need to be in our mouth and they can replace the words we just pulled out. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? Is this helping anybody? So these are the words we need to put back. Ooh, oh, oh man, before I go there, I got to really, really, does anyone here have a lighter? Anyone here have a lighter? Come on, come on. Anyone? I need a lighter for my visual illustration. Does anyone have a lighter? Nobody here's got a lighter. Some of you have a lighter and you don't want to share it. Okay, that's fine. Point at the person next to you if you know they have a lighter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. James chapter 3, verse 6. You'll see why I wanted a lighter. Watch this. And among all the body parts, your arms, your legs, your ears, your nose, among all the body parts, the tongue is the flame of fire. It is... You got... Oh, that matches will work. Come on up here. Come on up here, Jamie. Help me out. Come on up, come on up. Yeah, come on up here. I need you. Come up here. Come here, come here, come here. Don't even pretend like you're a shy girl. Too many people know you. All right, take this and get, get out the match and you'll, you'll, you'll know when you're supposed to light it, okay? Now listen carefully. You'll know when you're supposed to light it. It is a whole world of wickedness, talking about your tongue, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, not yet, for it is set on fire by hell itself. So literally, your tongue is set on fire by hell itself. It walks right up to you and goes... <laughs> And then you can just put it out with a whole bunch of love, just like that. Didn't that work out? Give Jamie a big round of applause, will you? 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So just know that any time that your mouth is breathing gossip or breathing anger and breathe, you just go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Some little imp devil came up here with a little match and stuck it in my mouth and I'm just... <laughs> Lord, help Frankie, huh? Now, these are what we want to put in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So what he's saying here is encourage. Let everything comes out of your mouth. Just lift people up. Just encourage. Just make them feel good. Right? So that's the first thing we want to put in. Everybody say encouragement. That you are an encourager. There was a guy in the Bible named Barnabas, and because his name was weird, they just started calling him by his reputation. I'm just kidding. I made that part up. But they called him the son of encouragement. Because every time he talked to him, he was, does anyone here have anyone in your life that they are so encouraging? Go ahead and raise your hand. If you have somebody in your life that they are just so encouraging. If you didn't put up your hand, I'm going to pray for somebody to come into your life. It feels so good. Doesn't it feel good? I love talking to those people. I remember growing up, Isaiah used to go to this church too, Triumph Church. Bishop Randy Clark, who, who spoke last Sunday, he pastors Triumph Church. I grew up in his church. There used to be this guy. Every time, his name was Scott. Did you ever remember Scott? He had straight hair. He looked like the tin man on Wizard of Oz. But no, the straw man, the straw man. His face was real thin. Like He'd come up and go, hey, Frankie, man, you are the man. Jesus loves you. Like, I don't think you know me the way you think you know me. I would think that. I don't think you know me the way you think you know me. I was a freshman in college. I'm like sowing my oats. He's like, I don't think you know the way you are. And Jesus loves you. And you know what else? I love you too. And he put this big smile on. Wouldn't you know on a bad day, I'd go stand in the lobby real close to him, waiting for him to look at me. Just because I wanted here. You know, Frankie, God loves you. And he'd always smile after every sentence. God loves you. <laughs> and you know what? I love you too. And I, all these years later, I still remember him. Man, it feels so good. Wouldn't it be nice to be that guy? That people are like, oh, man, I, man, I'm having a bad day. Every, every time I talk to you, I feel good. Doesn't that feel good? Instead of the guy, watch this, instead of the guy that you, uh, here, let's give me, give me that peppermint. I'm, I'm in the front row real quick. Instead of the guy that, that you come up and, and you eat negative, you eat negative fruit, and, and negative fruit stinks, and it's in your mouth, you're chewing on negative all the time, and as soon as somebody talks to you, it's like, Bleh. Like a green. And people just know every time I talk, I wouldn't be I'm not chewing on that anymore. Hey, how are you? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? I know some of you are looking at me like, dude, you're not normal. I know that. 
the second thing we want to put in our mouth, Psalms 34, verse 1, it says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will consistently speak his prayer, constantly speak his praise. In other words, in my mouth all the time, I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. And you go, but man, I got some big problems. What does that have to do with telling the Lord that you love him? Right? I mean, I got, I got things that I'd like the Lord to do for me. I know you got things you'd like the Lord to do for you. What does that have to do with telling the Lord we love him a lot? Lord, I love you. 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 Man, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. 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 I love you. Isn't that a bit repetitive? God hears more than just our words. He hears the echo of our words that comes from our heart. Isn't that good? I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. So what goes in our, what comes out of our mouth, we got certain things we're going to take out of our mouth, but certain things we're going to put in our mouth. Why? Because it controls our whole life. James says it controls our whole life. So everything that comes out of our mouth should be negative. I'm sorry, positive. And the other thing that comes out of our mouth is just praise, encouragement and 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 praise. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Imagine if all that came out of our mouth were uplifting things and praise. According to James, assuming he's telling the truth, our whole life changes in the direction of our tongue. The third thing that I want to say that we want to put in, this is the last thing, is 1 Thessalonians I got 616, but that's not 616. It's 516, right? 517. It reads like this, pray continually. That's in our mouth all the time. All the time. Now I'm only on verse two of chapter three. I hope you brought a blanket. We're going all the way through the chapter tonight. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm only going to share one more verse. And this is when he talks about true wisdom. So we've talked about three topics tonight that James talked about. We talked about, number one, we talked about teachers. Then we talked about tongue. And then number three, he talks about true wisdom in chapter three. This is the last topic that he tackles. He talks about true wisdom. Now watch this. It says this, if, if you are wise, in other words, some of you aren't, let's be honest. I mean, that's how I read it. If you are wise and understand God's ways, if, if you think that you understand God's ways, watch this. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility. Now watch this. That comes from wisdom. Now that whole verse was incredibly intimidating to me. Because living an honorable life is something that I would love, but man, I don't know if I'm living an honorable life. I'm doing the best that I can. Have you ever thought that? Anyone here? Thank you, Isaiah. I I, I hope I'm living an honorable life. I'm trying to live an honorable life. 
Uh, that's a little bit intimidating. You're telling me that I need to prove that I understand God's ways by living an honorable life. Man, I hope I am. Here's another thing. He says, prove by living an honorable life, doing good works. Man, I'm trying to do good works. I want to do good works. And then all of a sudden he throws us a life ring. He throws us a life preserver. He says this, it comes, the humility that comes from wisdom. In other words, he is speaking about a person He's speaking about wisdom. He's speaking about a a spirit of wisdom, a gift of wisdom. And that's where you and I get to back up and we can say, I want to live an honorable life, God. I want to do good works. But all of this is ultimately going to come from wisdom. And Lord, so I'm just openly and honestly telling you, Lord, would you give me that special gift of wisdom? Would you give me that special gift of the Spirit of God to lead me and to guide me and to be a compass because if you don't help me, I will figure out a way to bury me and everything good in my life. So would you please guide me and direct me and anoint me and lead me? Is anybody with me on that? Is that with me? Would you stand up and give the Lord a standing ovation? Come on, give it to him. Lord, we love you, Jesus. 